welcome everyone so today's uh, podcast topic is navigating the future will robo advisors and virtual assistants truly drive financial decisions so with us we have uh, two really great speakers today uh first uh, is uh, mr edul patel uh, he is the ceo and co-founder of mudrex he has over a decade of experience in finance entrepreneurship and building tech driven applications currently edul with an undying appetite for growth learning and hard work is spearheading one of the most enticing platforms for investing in cryptocurrencies which is mudrex he endeavors to create a reliable ecosystem for retail investors wherein they can invest without any stress or hassle the company is a splendid blend of its co-founders passion for finance and vast knowledge in the field of technology with this fast growing enterprise he aims to create an investor friendly environment in india and overseas thanks for having me everyone sure uh, great to have you edul and uh, we also have anirudh anirudh is the chief business officer at finedge and is a founding team member at the company he holds an mba with distinction from side business school university of oxford and has a cumulative 19 years of professional experience across wealth management and retail in investment advisory prior to finedge anirudh was national product head wealth management at donny de av where he built and led a pan india team of 60 plus wealth managers after a successful stint as a private wealth manager to several noteworthy high net worth individuals in delhi anirudh's diverse experience in the investment advisory domain puts him in a unique position to contribute to the development of many of the advisory processes systems and technologies that finage employs today in its day to day client engagements so welcome uh, anirudh and edul and uh, so i am devang i am the chief technology and product officer at credix and credix is a supply chain finance focused uh, firm providing working capital and uh, you know ap and ar based saas solutions for mid to large size corporates so with that introduction let's get our uh, you know let's start the discussions on our topic so i'll just start uh, with a small question and you know we, we'll just keep it uh, very open and feel anybody can feel free to you know pitch in and uh, ask questions also uh, but so given the topic uh, of robo advisories and virtual assistants how uh, how have you how, how have you guys seen uh, you know investment advisory change uh, over the past couple of decades right you guys uh, both come from a you know very experienced deep experience background in this space so with or without technology like how how have you seen the mindset of customers change over time and how has the market responded over time to that got it so maybe you know i can go ahead and start off and give some of my thoughts on the topic as such in general sure. uh, i personally what i personally believe is the best the the best format in which someone should invest is just do it regularly and systematically and from that perspective just having the ability to do a regular sip in an automated format is a decent enough robo investing setup that most people have uh, people don't people don't people highly underestimate uh, what it takes to just consistently and week over week month over month uh, just keep on doing investing for that long run and how that pans out in the longer period so i actually think the sip format is like the simplest robo investing format that's available to people and users out there uh, 
having said that in the traditional sense of the term the advisory bit may the human advisory part uh, has not proven to be consistently something that gives returns to people like we've seen historically that mutual fund managers are not able to outperform even a simple index over a long enough period of time right so how do you go from how do you remove or abstract away the unreliability or inconsistency of humans over time and instead of that give people access to uh, maybe simple robo investing systems that aim to just consistently do the same thing again and again and again devoid of emotion devoid of timing i think that's uh, that's kind of sort of the space that's the more interesting space and that's what we've seen happen also over the last few years right we went from uh, like globally we went from mutual fund to index funds being like the top setup where investing happens in india we've gone from one time investing to now basically sip and recurring investing which has helped the first you know like the early generation of users start creating wealth and that trend just continues to go on technology itself is very new for most investing as such and as time progresses i think these these smaller 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 chunks will help in grow uh, help will, will help in solve for some of these problems for our users not that great so uh, i do have a couple of points to make here so first uh, devang thanks for having us on the show um, so i think to answer your first question i of course uh, come from a time when digital was unheard of so the very concept of someone investing without meeting their wealth manager was unthinkable so if you told when we started off this business and we said okay we're going to make people invest without meeting them they we pretty much everyone laughed at us not because of anything else because it just wasn't something that was that anyone did it was the most uh, natural thing for someone to come and explain products and get those forms signed stuff like that so of course there's been a huge shift in acceptance of digital as a medium for investing which is itself a tectonic shift um uh, this was initially more focused on retail now we are seeing hni is also more adaptive to digital investing virtual meetings co browsing things like that which again uh, it was wealth management has traditionally been very high touch so uh, just to give you an idea out of one hour that you meet your hni client about 50 minutes isn't spent talking about investing about 10 minutes is spent on investing so it's been a very human high touch business now we're seeing that also kind of moving towards a much higher degree of tech acceptability however uh, i would like to say one thing so of course uh, a valid point raised um, previously is that systematic investing is is the way to go and being dispassionate etc etc but just to give you an interesting statistic on this devang there are many platforms that have come up and have tried to do this right we all aware of them it's very easy to get someone to transact i think the biggest advantage of digital is that the ease of transaction and the awareness levels have gone up but if i am to ask you to just and you all know sips are great for 5 7 10 15 20 years we talk about long term goals right uh, we talk about rupee cost averaging and compounding kicking in after 5 7 years right how many of these digital sips do you think go on to complete 5 years on average you want to take a guess 3% wow yeah this is what i would expect Wow, right so, so while while it's it's all hunky dory to say okay we will give you a platform and we we'll get you to start your sip and it's going to be super easy and you can invest based on certain metrics that we show you you can't take away the emotional and human side of investing that's the problem and i think that's many even global businesses started off with pure digital play and they're realizing that you know when uh, things go south and when a covid happens and then suddenly your 10 lakhs becomes 4 lakhs Pretty much nothing is going to stop you from stopping that sip and redeeming that money. 
except hmm. the intervention of someone who is a behavioral coach right and unfortunately the other thing i want to say is most of these people who come into digital platforms do not really start with the right intent so when you're investing i at least believe intent is everything most of these people are chasing returns so you see a platform and you say oh wow small caps have given 95% in the last one year where to invest small caps mm-hmm. the exact reverse of a successful strategy for investing basically because what goes down comes up and vice versa but because these are unfortunately newbies they don't understand investing metrics usually the the return chasers are the ones who come out of digital platforms without clearly defined goals without understanding what risks they are about to take whether the returns are going to be linear or non linear and then they come in and then that's hence the numbers speak for themselves devam so you talk about a 97% stoppage rate in 5 years and by the way 50% stop within 12 months mm-hmm. we are actually talking about massive wealth erosion unfortunately because no one who's stopping is stopping after a good experience mm-hmm. right people who stop usually stop after a bad experience if, if i'm sitting on a 50% catr i really won't stop i'll stop when i'm disillusioned and i think oh god i should not have come out of fb in the first place and my life was better and here i'm earning 0% these are all the kind of biases that come in at least from what i feel while digital has been great i, I can only speak for investing this if you take away the human element from it if you take away the behavioral coaching very small chance of having a high success rate with anything which is non linear mm-hmm. in terms of returns anything which is transactional sure all right i buy a term plan I really don't need a human for that. Why buy a motor insurance? I don't need a human for that. Second, it goes into something where returns are unpredictable, where returns are non-linear. At least our experience says that, and not just our experience, the industry data says that pure digital plays are not going to be successful. Mm-hmm. No, actually, I completely agree with Anirudh on that front. I think uh, what digital has helped is it helps a person get started. it helps them you know just try and get a taste of it but more and more and more we see that as the aum increases or as the involvement increases there needs to be that somewhat amount of human element that needs to come in now that can come in in different formats that can come in in the format of a person picking up the phone and talking to you you doing a common zoom webinar you having a video recording coming to the person on an app telling them about their portfolio so the format can be changed and i think that's where the technology can come in and make all of that efficient they can make the human touch that one good advisor reach out to instead of 50 people maybe 500 people that's right. the part that can be solved but how do you get that human touch to more people and make it more accessible that's i think the interesting problem at rn because i think what we also see very well is that uh, especially in a country like india right which is anyways a trust deficit society you mm-hmm. don't believe in uh, technology and these systems very easily and you've been trained to work with banks and so on and so forth where the person the the other end of the counter is more important i think the trust problem is the large problem to solve for but that comes i think at a step later for most people for most people because of this explosion of technology and availability of information and access to transactions as anirudh mentioned uh, getting started is easy but how do you make them continue how do you make them convert to larger ticket size and even have that behavior of investing right in the right space for long term wealth creation that's the harder problem to solve in my yeah. opinion because humans don't scale as well right and interesting so many knowledgeable wealth advisors who people would want to stay committed to so right. that's i think the interesting problem to solve now yeah that's that, that's a very interesting point uh, from like from both anurudh and adil that Like it is, uh, and like that, like that statistics under that you mentioned was, you know, like I would have never guessed that that only three percent people continue an SIP for five years. 
Right, but uh, at the same time, like if you look at robo advisory, right, and Edul, you mentioned about trust defi trust deficit society, right? Robo advisory, at least globally, like in the U.S. etc., they rose after the 2008 crisis, right? When people got disillusioned by, you know, what bankers were saying, and you know, not trust, like they no longer wanted to trust in bankers and investment bankers, uh, like and believing that they were making the right decisions for their clients, right? And that is when robo advisory like robo advisory came in uh saying that you know you like you don't need a human uh, in the loop uh, that you need to trust because nobody knows what a human's motivation is right and a system which is algorithmically driven right is very neutral and uh, you know will make better decisions for you so i'm just playing a devil's advocate here right that you know if at one end we said we saw that the rise of robo advisory was because of you know, kind of the trust deficit culture of humans uh, innately, right? How do you counter that or how do you kind of address that? Nisan, please go ahead. I think it's uh, a bit extreme to try and eliminate humans because of this. So it's like throwing the baby out with the bathwater, right? I mean, sure, I do agree that a lot of systemic issues that come up with banks and um, financial services institutions from time to time do come up because of the wrong motivations that human beings have. We've seen that time and again. Look at how life insurance has been sold by banks over the years to uh, to retire people as their reason. There are so many stories of people being missold stuff. That's that's a systemic issue, right? It's both for the regulator and for companies to come together and solve. But to say that because of this, I will eliminate humans from the equation, I think that's a bit extreme. And I think that is just another path to destroying wealth. Because um, uh, see, you can't eliminate the investing behavior problem, right? Ultimately, greed and fear will kick in every now and then. And if every time that happens, people start taking investing decisions that are not aligned with their goals, then uh, you will have a situation where you're just eroding wealth in a different way. Uh, that's one point I wanted to make. Uh, secondly, if you see a lot of these international platforms also, now, we're talking about the wealth funds and betterments and all these global platforms that came out as a result of, like you mentioned, the fallout, the aftermath of 2008. A lot of these companies are also now realizing that it's important to have a bionic hybrid kind of a model, and they're trying to set those up. If you've been reading about it, uh, even Zerodha very recently uh, called it a bit of a suggestive tweet that came up from Nitin Kamath. He praised HBFC Bank for opening four branches a day and said maybe the way forward is having a human touch combined with digital because digital just has this much ability. There's there are limits to the scale that you can achieve with digital purely. Because in the end, we'll keep hitting walls. We're talking about people who opened broken accounts in 2020, 21, sitting at home, speculating. How many of them have made money? Mm -hmm. A recent study by SEBI said that only 10%. So 90% have lost money. So in the end, ultimately, financial products exist to create wealth. Mm -hmm. Be it stocks, be it derivatives, be it mutual funds. If they're not serving their end objective, then, then we need to reevaluate the way we're delivering those services. And the, 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 the solution cannot be to remove humans. The solution has to be realign humans, incentivize them differently, um, remove certain conflicts of interest, forcefully if need be. I think it requires a whole paradigm shift, a reimagining of the way distribution functions, rather than saying, okay, I will not have humans in the equation, I will only have robots. And mind you, robots have been developed by people, so we keep saying this. It does, the algo does have the biases of the founder <clears throat> also embedded in it. Right. So when you say that it is completely neutral, I beg to differ because it's not been, unless AI starts building AI, which is of course the death of the world, as Elon Musk says, 
uh, AI has also been built by humans. So in the end, that algo has been built by a person. So that person's innate biases towards investing and beliefs are embedded into that algo. So may, it's just that it's being done at a mass scale. So I think if you ask me, uh, there has to be a reimagining of tech value propositions and, and the industry has to focus on how to make humans behave in the right way. You know, if I get my people together and say, I'm going to pay you a ton of money if you sell endowment plans, they're going to do it. Mm-hmm. Right. So, uh, but then that business isn't sustainable in the long mm-hmm. run because, again, the explosion of digital has ensured a lot of information symmetry. Before you know it, you've got thousand bad Google reviews and your, your death curve also happens so much faster, right? Earlier, you used to fail slowly. Now, it doesn't take six months for a company to fail. Mm-hmm. So, I think, uh, to a long story short, you need to reimagine the way of delivering, how you're going to combine humans and tech while ensuring scale. Um, how can you get one advisor to manage thousand clients? Right. Um, how can you have a business model where advisors are able to help clients manage those biases, mm-hmm. educate them, step in where needed, and basically keep them on their journey? Because investing in EV, but creating wealth in the long run, uh, like uh, like was we were said earlier, is a long term journey. Right? It's not going to happen overnight. And to remain invested is far easier than you think. Mm-hmm. I, being from this industry, have to go through a panic every 15, 18 months. And I need to sit down and introspect, despite having seen maybe eight of these cycles myself, that, okay, hang on, you know, this is just temporary. I need to get those chips running and kind of, I need to convince myself of those things. And I can't imagine what a poor retail investor who's just seen small caps, 95% one-year return and invested, suddenly seeing minus 20. I can only imagine what he's going through. And I can't imagine any robo, any pure tech play that's going to keep him invested. I, I pretty much, I would believe that's impossible. I think the, the introduction of the robo-advisory bit was actually just more of a pure play margins game. The mm-hmm. thought process was that individual funds are very expensive and the individual fund managers charge you extremely high for non-standardized products that actually don't make any returns. So the mm-hmm. idea behind the first wave of robo-advisory businesses like the wealth front and the betterments was actually to have standardized products available at extremely low cost that can cater to a vast majority of average people out there. Mm-hmm. So if you've got an income bracket that is not very high, if you've got just regular amounts of savings that you need to do, if you want to just balance your goals that are short term, that are midterm and long term goals, you should not pay exorbitant fees to a third party advisor. And and at the and what you get in return is a standardized product that probably uh, a few million people apart from you will also invest in. That mm-hmm. standardization works and it helps you reduce costs and gives you scale and that's the benefit, right? Without standardization, there is no scale. Uh, mm-hmm. So that standardization, that standardization helps you get to scale, but it doesn't work for everyone. The problem is that finance and investing is inherently such a personal problem that my my monetary requirements versus your monetary requirements versus someone else's monetary requirements are different. And it's not only me, they keep on changing over time as well, right? My monetary requirements this year versus next year are different. Mm-hmm. So standardization helps you get to a base but when you really want to go and improve, that personalization needs to come in. And that's where that combined effort or combined approach, I think, is very necessary, which is what you know we touched upon slightly earlier. And it was also mentioned that that human touch is necessary, that part where, uh, let's say, a, a, a bot does the, ineffi- the, does the efficiency problem while the person does the personalization problem. Some mix of that, I think, is required. And that is where we are heading as time progresses. What we really want is digital human wealth managers and not just robots working. Mm-hmm. 
Also, to give you guys some background, at Mudrex, we used to run a business uh, called Algos, where we would offer people simple bots that they could use to invest in cryptocurrency trading. Mm -hmm. The common recurring problem that we saw over there was that almost surely all of those bots that tried to generate alpha were very time dependent. So there would be a window in which they would work spectacularly. And then like nine months later, the markets would change and the return profile would all go away. Mm -hmm. Right. Which is also the problem. The the reason why bots work is that they are consistent and continue to do the same actions, but mm. that is also inherently their downfall. Right. As markets change, you need to adapt and move and be, you know, kind of sort of more agile to those changes that bots are not able to do. Mm -hmm. Which is why a general purpose robo advisory long term alpha creation business does not exist. Mm -hmm. This is a standardized product that many people can invest in that will help you build some base. And everything on top needs to happen with a person or a wealth manager or an advisor to help you grow uh, and scale up. Got it. Great. Uh, so, so one of the recurring themes, uh, like uh, that, we discussed that is robot advisory helps to scale up, right? And the promise of technology is that it can deliver the quality of service that maybe a very narrow percentage of people used to get to a much larger audience, right? Uh, so in your experiences, uh, is that the trend that you're seeing uh, that are are we going deeper? Uh, like, are we getting to financial inclusion with robo-advisory or is robo-advisory being used more, you know, with people who already have access to these services? Yeah, and I'll go. make a point here. I think a very valid point raised about customization being the need of the RN. That's where robots fail. I'll actually go one step further and say standardization is death. When it comes to investing, I can only speak for investing. Um, you can't go and see, compare it with the US market, which is far more mature and developed, is an apples to oranges comparison because, sure, passives are doing very well over there. And the, their arguments are very valid. That is, basically, I can't even beat an index. Why should I pay an extra 2-3% a year to a wealth manager or a fund manager? And But you have to understand one, information asymmetry is much lower over there. 85% of people own a stock or a mutual fund. Right in the US, in India, that number is 4 or 5%. It's extremely low. So, And there is a lot of opportunity here to make money outside of the top 100 stocks. So I'll give you an example. If you talk about blue chip funds, right? your standard blue chip mutual fund, large cap, they really haven't outperformed any of the index funds. In fact, that's what we tell our clients also. If you to invest in a pure play blue chip fund, just go for an index fund and save that additional 70, 80 bits. Beyond that, there is a massive, massive opportunity for wealth creation. We're talking about small and mid caps. We're talking about thematic plays, sectoral plays. It's massive. And unfortunately, to just say, okay, uh, get robo, and save costs. And I'll tell you, a lot of businesses were built on that. A lot of businesses were built purely on that whole play of go direct, save half a percent a year. This is how much wealth you create over 30 years. You know, that's just khayali pulao. I'm sorry, who's going to stay invested for 30 years in a direct plan without advice? Zero. And I'm telling you, zero. And then what happens is basically these clients, they have bitter experiences and they leave you. And then these very companies then start doing pivots. Someone's going to start selling loans. Another one is going to go into something else, which is insurance-led. Then they, they uh, it ultimately ends up eroding wealth for investors because the very purpose why they signed up with that particular fintech platform 
it is over because it's not sustainable. You see, mm-hmm. because uh, the platforms thought, okay, let's build. See, they never really got into let's say mutual fund thinking I'm going to make money out of this. Because direct plans don't make you money. They thought I'm going to build a very large captive base, deliver them value, and then sell them something else. Right. In the end, everyone has to make money. This is not. Uh, we are not in a socialist economy. Unfortunately, with these plans and with pure robo plays, that initial value proposition never got delivered. Mm-hmm. And then the, those pivots started happening until you're in a death spiral. So I think the problem with robo is I think two things. One, um, when it starts becoming a supermarket, okay, where it's like a spray and pray strategy. Here is your app, and just do what you want with it. Buy an insurance, buy a health plan, buy a term plan, buy some crypto, buy some stock, buy some mutual funds, buy some U.S. stocks, buy some fixed income, blah blah blah. And there's really then it's just like this whole analysis paralysis that happens with no real value delivery. Because I keep coming back to the fact that the only reason I would invest is to meet my goals. Mm-hmm. It's not for fun. If I have fun, I'll just go to a casino, right? Or I'll play uh, poker. Why would I invest? The purpose of investing is to meet goals. In the end, if that's not happening, I will have to go back and say that a lot of robo platforms have to rethink the way they are delivering their value proposition, which means they're either not encouraging the right mindset for investing, they're encouraging a very return-centric mindset, or they because they don't have the ability to uh, to engage human beings with the technology and use technology to empower those people to deliver value proposition. They're just trying to take a shortcut and say, okay, here are my top ten funds or stocks, invest in it. And uh, that just doesn't work. So I think, uh, is it reaching underserved populations? Is it creating value? I would have to take that with a pinch of salt. Being from this space, I don't think that's really happening the way it should. I think it's actually, un- unfortunately, in the long run, it's damaging value, and it is leading to a lot of people who are saying, "I won't ever come back to mutual fund or stocks." Sadly, that's just what's happening right now on the ground. Yeah. So I I I don't think robot advisory is helping in increasing uh, financial inclusion. It is definitely like financial inclusion increases and improves with access and access to direct products is what is happening and that's a large wave that we've seen already the country go through once and that will continue. That will continue to happen in waves and hype cycles and so on and so forth. So financial inclusion, in my opinion, just improves with access and availability and ability for users to take the choices that they want. The bigger problem is that actually there is most people are unable to take the decisions of what they should be buying, how much they should they be buying, where should they be investing, and when should they exit. The problem that Robo Advisory tries to solve for it says that I will standardize these answers for you. They might not be the right answers, but I will take these choices and give it to you based on some logic that I have. Now that logic might not work for you in the first place, right? And with whenever we speak to users, these are like the the most three common questions that we get. Is that where should I invest? Invest? How much should I invest? And what will be the tax implication of it? More often than not, the robo advisors bots are just automated for the for these three to give a very standard standard response. And also, what they try and do is they don't more often than not promise over returns. So they are actually sticking to their base that they are saying we will give you something that's index level or index slightly better. Nothing significantly better, nothing significantly spectacular, because actually Anirudh actually pointed out to a very important thing: the only way you can create long-term wealth consistently is if you have some information asymmetry edge. Now that information asymmetry edge is either you have access to some proprietary data that no one else has, or you have some models that is able to understand publicly available data better than other people. Right? Most bots, as I said, are standardized; they are not doing, willing to do the latter, and the former is just insider trading. So. 
the former you can't do as a result the there is actually an edge in underdeveloped markets today for wealth managers because they have some more information or some more capability to understand what the publicly available data means and how do you actionably use it in day to day life so i again believe that robo advisory are is a good tool i, I would say it's a worse or a pathetic tool that should not exist it is a stepping stone in that eventual journey of moving to a person who is going to manage your money at scale and that stepping stone starts off with you having access to be able to invest by yourself then you going on and participating in this robo advisor who will invest on your behalf and then from there you going on to having private wealth managers and or private wealth managers available at scale and solving mm -hmm. for that problem so it's a it's a step in that journey it solves for a problem but it should not be oversold because it doesn't do any large outlier wealth creation for you it will get you what the average is which actually also is good for most people to be honest yeah super so that uh, leads me to uh, my second last question adol you mentioned uh, you know we don't uh, you know we try to like like in your experience you don't try to overpromise uh, right returns and that is you know one of the largest misselling like like early we have seen like a lot of people sometimes too so when thinking about like virtual assistants or robot advisors uh, robot advisory in investments how how do you think about and to you too how do you think about uh, ethical and regulate, regulatory frameworks uh, on for robot advisory so i think returns are the wrong thing to promise over there in the first place because you can't guarantee them so you should not mm -hmm. uh, what you can guarantee is ease of access use and lower costs and those are some of the selling points that should be talked about and spoken about uh, and when if you are building a business that is more focused on virtual assistance and advisory uh, then and robo advisory then those are the parts that you should be focused on ki i will get you started and onboarded easily your day to day setup and life will be easy with me and i will charge you low fees mm -hmm. if you start promising returns then you should guarantee returns mm -hmm. or matlab have some time range over which they can be achieved otherwise it's misselling and misselling unfortunately causes a lot more harm than good in the longer run and we've seen then seen that again and again not only happen with you know uh, asset classes like crypto where we've gone through this cycle of people trying to missell and misquote large returns but also traditional asset classes whether it be misselling with small cap misselling with large cap misselling with wrong market timing and so on and so forth right so i think that returns promise is something that as a fiduciary you should never do you can you can say that okay this is my track record i have done this in the past and i i will help you make sure that that happens but you can never promise and guarantee it and that's a very sensitive topic and as a fiduciary i think it's just incorrect or immoral to do that i have a point to make here um, so see it's not about promising returns devang if you talk about the typical journey of an investor on digital platform they really not looking at promised returns they are looking at metrics that are displayed on these platforms even if when you go to a platform unfortunately you're not going to look at how much this platform is promising me because they won't and they cannot any assurance or guaranteeing return isn't allowed by regulation it's much subtler than that okay so my typical buying journey of a retail investor is going to be sorting based on one year returns and i'm talking from ground on the ground experience because see most of the people who come here are going through a google search they don't even understand how they work so your typical journey will be like okay Uh, let's go sort based on past returns or i should also tell you that a lot of these apps do sort these funds based on past returns mm -hmm. 
when i go there and i say okay i want to invest in an equity fund it's going to show me xyz abcde sorted based on how much they given them last one year right so i don't really need to promise returns there to unfortunately drive a very poor investing journey because i've just shown a very novice investor i've thrown him a bone and said okay this one has given so much return they really don't understand how this is going to pan out in the next year or two without understanding the risks involved they've gone in and invested basis that so while of course i think it's very it's very difficult to balance the two because how do you drive innovation without stifling it too much is the challenge for any any regulator at this point because in the end you do want robo okay robo has its own place it's very critical so at this point i'm i'm not at all saying that robo is bad i'm just saying it needs to be reimagined you know it needs to be reimagined it needs to be made less return centric it needs to be made more goal centric it needs to communicate the correct investing behaviors the correct investing processes rather than taking a shortcut and saying okay here we go here are your stocks which have delivered 100% in the last one year that is something that is driving very wrong behaviors in investors i don't need to go and promise 12% i just need to show that and in and the investing mindset of that investor who invests based on that metric is going to be a death spiral for sure so i think regulators need to step in and first of all see the communication the subtler the finer aspects of the communications that a lot of these platforms are doing secondly they also need to see to it that these platforms are not just purely encouraging transactions hmm. okay for example i was very against a lot of these direct platforms who purely communicate half the story and say okay direct versus regular you will make 36 lakhs extra if you invest in direct now uh, on the basis of what for that i have to be so resilient that i have the kind of discipline and resilience that a champion investor has is that direct platform going to make me a champion investor that's the question you know fidelity did a study seven eight years back just to corroborate my uh, story here of their top investors people who created a ton of wealth over 10 15 years and they had really benefited from all the ups and downs and then they were told to do a survey so someone called to just kind of reach out to them and say kind of discover their secret okay they couldn't conduct the survey Do you know why all of these guys were Most dead, of them were dead. <laughs> so a dead investor fed better you know so why i say this is in the end just showing fast returns and getting investors in is not even half the problem solved i would say it is a new problem created you have just brought people in people who never experienced a non linear return instrument and guaranteed them a poor experience mm-hmm. it is better off to not have robo here it is better off to not have robo here at least they would not have had a bad experience from that and they will in the end at some point come into a better route and have a better experience through something else i think a lot of reimagining has to be done i think a lot of business models have come they've gone they've done their pivots they've shown direct versus regular they've tried to do baskets they've tried to do passives in the end proof of the pudding lies in the eating wealth is not getting created in our country for retail through these products it's a fact we deal with thousands of these people every day at finish most of the people who come to us are saying i just lost a ton of money you know how do i kind of become a better investor mm-hmm. that is the problem robo needs to solve and i think that bionic engagement of humans and technology where technology empowers humans to empower investors is the is the is how the next 10 years are going to shape up that's what i predict anurag i have actually have a question uh, and uh, whenever we actually speak to users the first thing that they always want to look at is returns and i i it might be that 
uh, partially that is also because they've been trained on other products to look at returns in the first place right uh, what are good and this is this is a question that we ask ourselves on a very very regular basis that how do you make people understand here just looking at reward is only one side of the coin the risk part is equally important and how do you educate people about risk because reality is risk is boring and reward is a part that excites people right so uh, any thoughts or ideas as to how do you do that well yeah so i love your question first because you know it's like saying don't think of an egg you think of an egg so there's really no way i can make you less return centric by telling you don't be return centric exactly if i tell you devang from tomorrow don't chase returns i'm sorry you that's not going to change anything so the answer lies in the process so when someone comes to us at least in finance and says where do i invest we say i'm sorry i have no idea you need to go through this process for the next 45 50 minutes where i first understand you your cash flows your attitudes your goals and then i will come up with a plan and i think one of the answers to that is over simplistic i know is to move towards goal based investing and there are a lot of studies on this also when you have a clearly defined financial goal which is large in size which is high payoff and which is far away and you know you then uh, it becomes kind of like a gamified journey towards achieving that goal then you really don't think of okay it's gone by 10 down by 5% or 10% because then you're focused on the much larger picture for example if i have to save 5 crores for my retirement which i know is very important because i've done the maths i've saved up 5 lakhs at 5 has become 4 okay because you know I've, my ultimate destination is 5 crores and so i really don't fixate much on that deviation of 1 lakh or 2 so i think the answer lies in the process it lies in the mindset it doesn't lie even unfortunately even in education or counseling because i can counsel someone till the cows come home but they're not really going to understand if they're still return centric they will look at oh my 5 has become 4 i'm 20% down and i need to kind of get out of here but if the mindset is okay my 5 has become 4 my target is 5 crores i still have 25 years to go and i know how sips work Uh, that's ultimately the answer, and also the other answer is to handhold clients through two, three market cycles. People think it's like a lifelong thing; it's not. So if a novice investor comes in, and you can successfully handhold him through two market cycles, okay. By the third one, they themselves understand how it works. So we've actually had clients who, in the third market cycle, they're facing, they come back and say, "Markets are down forty percent. आप बताओ मैं कहाँ लगाऊँगा?" <laughs> they come back themselves because you know the proof of the pudding. They know now by now that you know cycles reverse. When markets are down, it's a good time to invest. My goals are long term, etc., etc. It's not just what I've told them; it's something they've experienced. So I think the ability for any human plus tech to come and handhold a client through two or three market cycles will eventually ensure that they themselves become a lot more behaviorally robust. So I think the answer to that lies one in having a better investing process that encourages the right mindset. And second, the ability to handhold a client through those two, three market cycles, which I don't think a robo has. So therein lies the disconnect. The first cycle that a new client faces, they'll get derailed and they will lose their faith completely. And it will be a long time before they ever come back. And when they do come back, it's going to be for the wrong reasons again. It's going to be because the headline says, "Oh, one and a half lakh crores of market cap wealth created," or "Wow, uh, mid caps have delivered 50 percent." Those wrong headlines will drive them to come back, and then the same hamster on the wheel, and the same situation, same cycle repeats. Yeah, yeah correct. So I think these two are important. Yeah, more often than not, it's greed that drives most of this uh, early, uh, you know, starting off points. The problem or the challenge that we've seen with uh, handholding is that there is a pot commit problem. Like users will want to, like you can tell them that this is the investing process you follow, and these are the goals you should meet. 